Hello and you're very welcome to another edition of the WRP. We have a huge show for you, a golden show, a gold-leaf show for you. Not only do we have our own Rachel Burford talking about lifting the trophy at the weekend, we've got Karen Finley in her last game involved with Harlequins. And if that wasn't enough, we've got Brian O'Driscoll. It's Brian O'Driscoll for the men's view of the women's game and how men's players and former players can promote the women's game. All coming up on the Women's Rugby Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, a very warm welcome to another Women's Rugby Pod and a very, very special edition this week, of course, because it's not every week that the co-host... The pod wife is not only a champion, but a champion winning captain, Rachel Burford. What cloud are we on right now? Oh, still on cloud nine. Um, This is the first time I've really had a chance to talk about it. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Winners. They do say winners are grinners. And for uh, our listeners of the pod rather than uh, our viewers on, uh, on YouTube, there is a big, big smile adorning Rachel's face. Uh, there's a there's a smashing smashing photograph of you. I think it's from um, yeah from from you guys at uh, Harlequins Women of this this look in uh, you looking at the uh, the cup and you you properly meant that didn't you? Yeah, you're gonna make me a bit emotional now. Um, yeah, like obviously it's been such a a tough year, but the last sort of two seasons where we came up short and we just didn't give the best look of us. And I think just knowing that we did that at the weekend, we really showcased who we were as a team was so, so proud, like genuinely so proud. I just remember like looking at it thinking we did it. We actually did it. Yeah. A hundred percent. Just, just take us through, you know, that beginning, if you haven't heard, you've been under a rocker with women's rugby. 25-17 Harlequins beat Saracens at uh, Kingsome on Sunday. It was a picture-perfect day. The sun was out, blue skies. There were crowds in and proper vociferous crowds as well. There's <laughs> one Sarri's guy giving it large. Uh, it's quite quite funny in the stands. But just, just take us through, just very, very quickly, you know, the, the build-up to to the game, you know, I, I was around, I, I thought you're incredibly relaxed. You're getting off the coach, you're warming up. There's lots and lots of smiles. Is that really, really important? Or something that um, you wanted to just make sure that everybody was, was nice and cool and calm? Yeah, I think look, there was a real conscious effort to just not play the occasion and just think this is, it's another game. It's another opportunity. And cause I think you can get lost so much in, you know, you know, all the things are going on. Obviously, BT Sport were there, so there's a lot more cameras, a lot more different angles on things and interviews. And we just kind of really stayed focused on individually what we needed to do collectively as units and as a team. And I think that just – and we were so confident in our prep and what we had done that we knew that if we if we could deliver what we wanted to deliver – the result will take care of itself. And I think everybody kind of had that thought and feeling. Um, The bus journey up there was really relaxed, really fun. (laughs) Sarah Beckett was literally like, I feel like I'm on a day trip out, girls. Like she was just absolutely buzzing. And I think, you know, moments like that really help then to spread throughout the whole team. You know, someone like Sarah Beckett, who's a big game player, if she's really relaxed, then the likes of Katie Mew and Lauren Brooks then also get relaxed about it. So, so yeah, it was um, a really, really good approach to the final. We were relaxed, calm, focused. Um, 
and it was on it was actually on our team one night we did it at the stoop on the Thursday and it was quite tense and there was like a trick shot that happened like somebody managed to like flick the ball by accident it like went through someone's hand and then on the back of someone's boot and then they regathered it and we all kind of like cheered and was like way and that was the only moment we really smiled and I remember saying at the end just being like let's remember to enjoy this like it's been a hard year like let's make sure we enjoy what we do and whatever the result is at least we actually had a smile on our face and I think we brought that to life come the final I mean, I, I, I guess it's probably a silly question because you, you, you want to win a thing especially having fallen short the last two years but was it was it more? And it is possibly a, a, a question for for Karen and 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 Jared, and, and we will um, ask Karen, who's uh, coming on the on the pod later on. Um, just how happy were you to to play the game that you wanted to play? I mean, that first half was uh, probably up there with some of the best rugby. You know, taking into consideration opposition that, that I've possibly seen the last three, four years? Um, or was it just purely you would have taken a 6-3? No, like we, again, we had the messages all week from Gerard and Karen, like to be brave and to go and play. They said, if you're going to turn up and just try and stop Saracens playing and try and defend them and, you know, we might get an opportunity here or there, then we're probably going to come off the wrong end of the result. And so the big messaging was around, let's be brave. Let's go and give them a go. If we see the opportunity, let's just take it. Don't feel we've got to go, you know, kick to corner, then look at our drive more. If it's on, it's on. And I think giving us that confidence to do that, it it allowed us, A, to go out there and perform the way we did. But if we had lost, at least we went and played the Quinn's way and how we wanted to play. And we could walk away with our heads held high going, do you know what? We played how we wanted to try and play and it didn't work. But at least we stood to what we believe in. Um, but ultimately, you know, we it, we came out on the right side, and that first half, we just absolutely blew it away. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm I'm a big one, as you know, for for the psychology of, of rugby, and I know you, you games aren't won and lost with that that first kickoff. But for me, that was huge. Um, the reigning champions, ball goes out in the full. It just for me, it just just set the tone, and then there was a few yeah. more little mistakes. Was it the same for you out there? But you know, we actually had a conversation on the on the bus up going, do you know what? Because we obviously we know our pack is so dominant. And, and look, Saracens also have a dominant pack. But we feel that, you know, in scrum time, we would edge it. And we were like, oh, we're not going to have that many. And we were like, why don't we kick the kickoff short? And then we always get And then that literally happened in the first play. It was like, and it's just like moments like that. You thought, mm, it, it's on. It, it, it's our time. And and there was no matter what was put in front of us, there was no way we weren't going to win that game. And I think right from that off, that was how it felt. Yeah. Um, from that kickoff, you know, even from like my charge down and and it just felt like we were on top, pressure, pressure, pressure. Five minutes later, I know I go down, but then we win a penalty two minutes or two seconds later on the back of that. It just, all the momentum was going in the right direction that we wanted it to. And I think it, it set that tone from, from the kickoff. And it was almost like our forwards like, right, get in. We get a scrum now. And that set their tone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Just take us through that moment then when you get, uh, you get smashed and you, you, you know, immediately it's, it's pretty serious. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I stepped inside on my left leg, and then I looked to move it to Scotty because 
again, it was a, it was a moment where we knew that they would shorten up and we had an opportunity to just run out of our 22, you know, which you could look at. I talk about playing brave. Normally, you'd look, oh, set up with a kick, get out of this area. Um, so, again, we just kept setting that tone. But, yeah, I kind of got hit from the side and my foot must have stayed in the ground um, and I just felt like my knee for anybody who doesn't hasn't had an injury that's great but when you do it's almost like you know like bubble wrap you can feel the popping and the little tearing and I just grabbed my kneecap and was like what is going on and then yeah for okay it doesn't feel too bad now so they tried strapping up I think the strapping made it worse so I got up and they were like are you going to try and carry on I was like I'll try of course I will um and they say so strapped it up and I was like what have we got and they said oh it's a penalty and I was like, right, okay, just get Izzy ready. By the time I get to that line out, I'm probably going to have to come off. Um, so then when I tried to put some weight through it, it just, it just wasn't having it. So, yeah, re- like massive heartbreak for me personally. Um, and, yeah, it was really hard because it's been a really hard season, lots of ups and downs. I was also had an injury earlier on in the season. And so to come off so early was really heartbreaking personally. But... I kind of had a choice to either sit there and feel sorry for myself or to be number one cheerleader and keep driving the belief and getting our bench going. And, and, and yeah, I was, yeah, obviously very, very gutted, but I thought, right, I need to curb that until post game. And and then I deal with my own personal emotions. Ever the captain speaks. Yeah, it, um, it certainly was a, was a moment that, um, yeah, even, uh, even Sean wrote us to hear text. We went, Oh, (laughs) <laughs> uh, they might have trouble now because you know we, we said it before and I you know, said again your, your leadership in the semi-final was, was exceptional and there for all to see um, so w- was it you, you said earlier that it, you just never felt at any moment you're going to lose that game when you sat there on the sidelines thinking oh I'm not going to take part in this and now that's an, another sort of youngster on the field and an experience did, did, did your belief ever waver? Genuinely it didn't I remember really? it, it yeah, honestly, like I remember just before I was taken off, I remember turning around being like, let's go. Like, this doesn't change anything because the players that we have, and, and even you talk about like an Izzy Mayhew, she's played so much this season and she's come on so much um, defensively and, and in attack. And I just feel like we just, we had the right mixture like we had so many senior players and, and experienced players out there without me that I, I wasn't going to be the difference. And and I just think that, you know, collectively was what the, the performance was always about. And I, I didn't, I didn't honestly, even when we went down to 13 players, I thought the Saris aren't going to get, aren't going to be able to get back in. I mean, the amount of turnovers we made when they had a two player overlap was unreal. And I think every time that moment happened, it was like, that's another chance for us. That's another chance for us. And and yeah, I just I just had this complete belief that we were going to do it. And I, and, I, and you know what? The other thing is, I didn't even entertain it or let it come in that we weren't going to. I think that is where my belief was so strong that it was like we are going to do this. We are. And and that's just all I thought. It wasn't. Oh, they might come back in. Or oh, we've been here before. Um. And even like at half time, like the message was, do not stop playing. Because how often do you see teams that go in, you know, they're playing really well. I mean, we've done it before and then thought, oh, we'll sit back now. We'll absorb it. We'll just play in the right areas. 
And it was like, no, no, no let's go and play. And even down to 13? Even what, down they to 13. Back, back within five then, weren't they? Um, no, because they hadn't scored just... Hadn't hadn't scored scored there, just yeah. Then. Well, I remember seeing Amy come off um, and I just turned away. So I didn't actually see what she had done. Bless her. She was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was like, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. And then two seconds later, literally, Abby's coming off. I'm like, okay, right. Ooh. This is going to be a taste. Because it was 14 minutes left. And I looked up. And all I was saying, or I remember saying to her, I was like, it's fine. You, I said to Amy, it's fine. You're going to have four minutes before you go on to make an impact to finish the game out. And the pair of them, they were terrible. I was like, guys, I've had to sit here for the whole game. So you, you can chill out. <laughs> they were getting right on the edge of their seat. And I was like, <laughs> calm down, calm down. Um, but no, even then, honestly, Johnny, even then I didn't think. I genuinely didn't. Really? I thought we're going to hold out. Or yeah, the way we were playing with ball in hand as well, without two players on the pitch, it just, it, there was just a will that we were not going to allow Saracens to beat us. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, right early on, it was like the first line out we got to, and we went to the corner. I remember saying um, to Abby, being like, they are quiet. We've got to keep them quiet and not let them have that belief back. You know, like when Packer got that second try yeah. and how she ran back and was like rallying everybody up. Like when they get that head of steam and when everybody gets behind them like that, they are they are a difficult side to kind of break down mentally. Um but they were so quiet in that initial, and I was like, "We've got to keep keep them quiet. We've got to keep this on." And and I think you know some of their big players, you didn't see that from them like you usually do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like, I, I, I want to talk loads and loads and loads. As we said a little bit earlier, we got um, Karen Finley coming on the pod. Um, you know, her final game in charge, and, and a very very emotional occasion for her, and an emotional week. I mean, I, I want to talk to you. More and more, because again, that, that psychology and you and Saracens and the and the niggle. But I, I spoke to a couple of the Saracens players after the game, and I said, "You out, Saracens, Saracens." For for me, mentally and physically, you refuse to take a backward step. And if anything, you know the chest were pushing out and the jaw was pushing out, and you know, Leanne Wiley very much sort of epitomised that. Just fiery right on the edge um how tasty was it when you're out there yeah it was just game on it was like we couldn't wait to play them obviously we missed out on our fixture in January and then the time before we actually played them like we there was a lot of players who were missing in that game as well and I think we were just really excited about the opportunity to play against them we know that they're a great side and we we want to play them, and so that physicality and that competitiveness comes out from everybody. Any time that Saracen, any Saris player that takes the pitch, any Quinns player that takes the pitch, they it's not personal, but it's just you know it's that pride and that bragging rights, isn't it? That they've had over us for so long um, that we we just couldn't even entertain going for another year of that. Um, but yeah, it, it's very much alive and kicking, and I know it'll be there again next season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they will want their 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 crown back. No, I want to get into a bit of sort of a bit more of the tactics and the detail with, with Karen later on, and possibly even pick out some individual. I thought, yeah, um, I thought line out was exceptional 
um, which is on a huge amount of pressure. Front row of foul. Leanne Riley had one of her best games I've seen in, a, in, in the quarters. Um, no, I, it, I, I just like name a Quinn's player that had a bad game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. And, 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 and I think that's the twenty-three as well. Yeah, right way through the twenty-three, and, and I think that's an, that's another big point is that beginning of the season or looking ahead of this season, you would have thought, right, well, your back row is going to be Anna Capelis, uh, Jay Cronkle and Sarah Beckett. Well, only one of those three started the final and then two youngsters alongside. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I think that that strength and depth is, um, and within that sort of possibly COVID and the, and the various bits and pieces actually helped to, to grow that strength. I know it was yeah. a sort of focus beginning of the season anyway, but no, let's get into a little bit more of that with, with, with Karen. Um, and we'll speak about Karen we speak about her off the back of her, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean, off the back of speaking to her. Just, just one more question. You are one of the most decorated players uh, in women's rugby um, and certainly one of the most re- respected both on and off the field. Where exactly does does that rank, Berth? Um I mean, before we came on, like I compared to how I felt with winning the World Cup, like it's right next to that. Um, it. I don't know if like the heartache of losing twice made it ever so sweeter and pushes it right next to that. But, but yeah, it is really, really special, you know, and I really liked what Gerard said after the game, like how the foundations have been laid for this by, you know, like Gary Street and Tony Diprows. And so for us to, to kick on and, and do it for all those before as well, it, it's, it's massive. And, and we had, um, we had a huge club meeting on the Thursday with men's, women's academy, all the, the staff, like so Harlequin staff, about the vision and, and the direction. And and the weekend was a huge for the club. And in terms of the boys making the semi-finals, and in terms of us potentially winning the league, and it just kind of set the tone about how special this club is, but how much more depth and growth we've got to go. Um, and so I think, yeah, it just it means so much because of where we're going, but also where we've been. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, as a as a as a kind of neutral, because um, yeah, the uh, the boys are there adorning all their their Harlequins kit, which um, they're growing out of. Hint, hint. Um, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> um, it, it, yeah, you, you have led the way. Um, and, and you mentioned the likes of Tony Diprose and, and Gary Street, and I'll pop a Atlanta in there, John and, yeah. uh, and, and Michelle as well. Um, and, and actually, that you, know, you have been, I think I, I saw it, uh, Karen speaking, that you know, it's a club that around the world people look to, to for, for leading the way in, in, in the women's club game. And um, so therefore, for, 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 for that, I was absolutely delighted to, to see you win because, um, you know, that kind of thing should be rewarded. So, yeah, on, a, on, a, on that kind of rugby level and on, on a very personal level, absolutely delighted for you, genuinely. Um, gutted about your knee, but um, no, delighted. And, um, yeah, I, do you know, I, I mean, if you can get it past World Rugby, I mean, you're on various committees where I, I play with the crutches because you can move on those. <laughs> <laughs> My mum's here looking after me, bless her. She's like, oh, you still move faster than me on those. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant stuff. Brilliant. Oh, no, no, really good. Look, as you say, we will chat uh, with Karen Finley. Um, in a moment or two, um, just continue the chat about uh, Harlequins picking up the, the trophy at the weekend. But it's an eclectic pod. 
Um, we don't only have uh, Count Finley on the pod, as we say, but Brian O'Driscoll as well. Uh, we wanted to get a, a take on the men, on the from outside, as it were, from a, a men's point of view, uh, looking at the women's game. Yeah, I, I spoke to to Brian last night, um, and yeah, some really, really, really great, great views from him, and some some real clarity, some real honesty as well, and and some sort of some decent tips as to how other men can support the women's game. So it's an eclectic pod, but when you get the uh, opportunity to, uh, to have Brian O'Driscoll on the pod, you, uh, you don't pass it up. So, uh, yes, we will speak to Brian later on. But first of all, the Harlequins winning forwards coach, Karen Finley. I'm Gary Street, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Karen Finley, Chief Superintendent Karen Finley, uh, I should say. And of course, Alliance Premier 15's Harlequins winning coach. Hello, welcome. How good does that sound? Sounds like fantastic. Sounds like boom. Sounds like va va boom, as I would say. Sounds great. <laughs> Absolutely great. Yeah, your smile. If you're just listening on, on the pod and on the YouTube, the smile uh, still hasn't gone since we uh, we saw on on Sunday. After a huge, huge congratulations, how how is it up there, at Cloud Nine? Oh, I mean, it's just it's been it's been really it's been kind of like surreal, really, to be honest. Because I think you um you know like for coaches, it's you, you're just spending a whole year, you're the whole year hoping and planning and doing the detail and. You you just you just want to give your team every fighting chance to genuinely fulfil its potential, and so when it you know it's a long old season now. The Premiership is it's such a fantastic competition. The level and intensity, you never know. There's there's some really odd results in it. You never know quite how how it's going to settle, and and that's the beauty of the competition. So to actually get to the end of the season, you know, have a big semi final at home against Wasps knowing that, you know, they're a very good side, good outfit, as well coached, and come out the other side of that and then get to final on... I mean, it's just, you know, sometimes sports creates... Mag- just creates magical moments, doesn't it? I mean, fantastic venue, pitch was incredible, um, and the sun was just glorious. So, you know, if there was ever a stage, a platform, for you to just really go that extra mile and just, just basically land the dream, really... Um, it, it just was everything was just perfect. Bar, Magic, a yeah. yellow, bar a couple of yellow cards, I've got to say that definitely <laughs> that definitely caused my wee heart rate to go up a bit. That's so you to get the couple of yellow cards in there as well on a, on a near perfect day. But look, I, we want to take you back to to Sunday, but also just just have a um, as you put it, a, a wee look back uh, at your time at uh, Harlequins. But just to get us in the mood. Um, I managed to, to grab someone who had a reasonable reasonable afternoon on Sunday um, for an interview post. It and I just wanted to, to play this just to take us back to, to Sunday if, if we needed a reminder. So uh, here's, uh, here's, here's player of the match. Sean Brown, player of the match. Sean, where are the feelings right now, straight off the, uh, the back of that final whistle? Uh, yes, Johnny. Yeah, join us. Your prediction, yeah, Wednesday. Absolutely. Gave me the fuel that did. Thank you very much. Yeah, and Rose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm busy. I think I'm busy. Yeah, sure, about going because I think it's ours. Now, give us, oh, Leah's just sort of summed it up there. Give us it in words, your emotions right now. Um, it's just all from the heart right now. I, 
like I couldn't think of a better way to do it. Even just things like the sun's out, it's a good day, it's a good day for rugby. Saracens played fantastically, we just played even better. It's yeah, it's all from the heart and showing that as women we can do it. Like we, we played, I would suggest, an international standard of rugby and in fact some of that rugby today was better than some Six Nations games and it is a great spectacle for the sport and I can't, can't wait to do it again. Cam Finney's last game, how much of a motivation was that today? Uh, it's... Even in the change rooms, like, I'm going to cry, I'm going to cry, because she left cards on all of our chairs like with a little note and reading it. So I'm going to cry, I'm going to cry. And I said to the girls, I'm going to cry. They're like, wow, what's wrong? Are you hurt? I was like, no, I'm just emotional. Um, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was for Karen. And even seeing her, it is pretty special. How much of today was Harlequins doing a Saracens on Saracens? And, and, and what I mean by that is, they get under the skin of teams, and they've got under your skin as a team, as a collective, many, many times. Today, you refused to take a backward step, and actually, it was them getting rattled and, and what have you. Was that spoken about this week? Yeah, spoken about for sure, because like it's what they're doing, and it's part of their skill. And, and to be fair, it is a skill that they're really good at. So it was about us composing us and composing each other. So when there was a few comments going back, it's actually just about turning to our team and say, just calm it down, rather than looking at them and shouting across at them, like, like sometimes they do. So it was something we've spoken about, and, and like you said, it showed on pitch that we, we came up as a, uh, our moral compass was in a good place today, shall we say. It certainly was. Sean Brown, what a year you have had personally, international club. You're now player of the match in the Allens 15s final. Congratulations. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you. There's Sean, uh, straight off the back of the uh, the result. I just sort of wanted to, to ask there, um, Candy, the smiles and, and emotions are, are running high and, and absolutely rightly so. Where, where did that performance come from, Karen? Because two years ago, or two, two finals ago, um, uh, yeah, it was a really tight affair. Last uh, final that came out, um, obviously Saracen blew you away in the first half. Struggled to come back in the in the second half, but yeah, and, and you know, dipped in and out this this season. But where did that performance come from? Because I, I can't remember a performance like that from from Harlequins um, po- possibly ever. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think people. Have, I think you've got to look back at just how how much effort and time and investment it takes to genuinely grow a squad and blend a squad. Um, and I think we've always been a good squad. We've been a, we, we've been a good squad prior to this year in terms of the talent that's been coming and the talent that's been developing and, and just the whole group gelling. Because, I mean, we had a pretty exceptional in year one when it was, there was still a battle going on about, you know, which name are we else for Bulls? Are we going to be Harlequins? Are we going to... I mean, that never really affected the team. The team knew what it was about and the squad knew what it was about. We had a phenomenal start winning that double in year one. And then... I think year two, and that was, I mean, that was, you know, Gary and I at the time were thinking, you know, we've just, we've got to, got to try and get mid-table somewhere this year, you know. Um, <laughs> but, but, but people people, people invested a bit of faith in us um, because we genuinely, um, you know, we care about our players and that, that really is ethos. And we also care about how we do things. And so I think I think the building blocks and the pillars have been right. And I think they've been in there since day one. Um, and, and I think year two and year three, um, has just been about gelling and building a bigger squad and we've had some fantastic players have had to come into that, some come overseas to add a real different flavour to things, things that are commensurate with the kind of flavour of Harlequins, you know, that quintessential just bit of difference and flair. And and I think coming out the other side of COVID was just such a it was just such an awful end. We wanted a crack at this last year and, and I think but I think sport rightfully to take a back seat to far more important things in life and I think sensible decisions were made which I think at various points in the season the club continued 
to make those sensible decisions about our players' welfare right at the heart of it and not compromising ourselves nor anybody in any opposition. So I think it was just coming and, and we were ready to play. We were ready to play Saracens in January and then you know some really sensible decisions were made then um, in terms of protecting you know our squad and the opposition, etc. And so I think it was coming, Johnny, to be honest. Um, and I just think eventually it gets to a point whereby the squad has developed enough resilience and that's really important when you're developing a squad because we've seen it in the young players that have come through this year, you know, a couple of years in the development squad, which at the time they think is really frustrating and they all want to be playing. They want to be playing representative rugby tomorrow, but it just takes time. And and I think you've just got to, you know, you've got to be as humble in defeat as you are when you win. And I think eventually, you know, you get the rub of the green, that you know, and things like that. And then you just know it's your day. Um, and you need a bit of that, no matter how well prepared you are, how well planned sometimes you just need the rubber that that little bit of the green and I think so it just it's been building it's been built on some really consistent solid performances you know where our there's there's cohesion between the forwards and the backs I think I think we've got a pack that's always been able to really stand up and I think the maturity in the back line has come in the technicality and the investment in that and then just gelling it into an attacking structure again that you can move on every year um, and I just think, oh, above all, this 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 final was about genuinely. It, there was just a mentality of we're never going to give in, and I think that was probably demonstrated its best in the in the terms of the desperation of when we had to defend against fifteen when we'd only thirteen ourselves. Um, and at that point, you just you've just got to find it, haven't you? You've got to find a way. And we speak about things like that. I think we'd rehearsed countless scenarios of what ifs, if this will happen or if that will happen again when you do that every year, eventually you're in a place, you're in a really good place mentally and, and physically to, to deal with whatever's thrown at you So so how much, and both of you pick up on, on each other, just wanted to get to the, drill into the to the, the nausea rugby bit of, the, of Sunday yeah. um, I said to, to, to Berth earlier on in the pod that Joe Housen kicks the, the kick out, kick off Straight, straight out, and yeah, you know, clicking I'm, her lips. Scrum time. <laughs> but that's yeah. going to lead, lead to my question: how 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 much of it was Quinns being absolutely on their game and doing that Saracens bit that you know I didn't kind of expand on with, with Shauna, but you know, when Saracens sense blood, they're like a shark normally, and they absolutely go for the juggler. And I just felt that was there for you on Sunday. And how how much was it that, and how much? Was it Saracens not being quite at the races mentally? I, I, I don't think they just weren't in the right place um, and contributing to to what was a, a fabulous Queen's victory. I mean, I mean, I think you know it's going to be stating the bleeding obvious, but actually, when you get to final, it doesn't really matter what's happened. You know, the entire season. You know, you just yep. got to be focused on the prize. Um, but I think, I think we we we'd spoken about you know how you start and having a fast start and really physically asserting ourselves in the game, but playing our game. Um, and we didn't spend a lot of time this week speaking about Saracens. We spent a lot of time speaking about us and what we're good at and what we can do and what we wanted to bring. And we wanted to do that, and we wanted to do that for ourselves more than anything else. So I think we got out the blocks fast, and we did physically assert ourselves, and we spoke about building a scoreboard so that every time you go in there, you know, the, the amount of penalty infringements were there were, well, you know, you, you, you got to punish a side for doing that to you because if, ultimately they're stopping you playing. And we wanted to play at tempo. We wanted to move the ball 
you know, we wanted to carry really hard and we knew where we could carry and where it would hurt them. And and we did all those things. And naturally, what came from that was penalties. And we, we were able to then, you know, get that scoreboard ticking. And once you get it ticking and you keep it over, the pressure just moves, doesn't it? It shifts. And I think we built such a concerted lead. And I think by half time watching, you know, how are you going to stop our driving ball? So if you give a, if you concede and you let us go into that corner, we're going to punish you for it. Um, and, and we did that really, really well. And things like that take time, you know, cohesion in your driving mall, the technicality of it, the ability to finish and finish accurately. That, that, that's endless errors on the, on the training field. That's, that's not, that just isn't just happening in the final. And I think that enabled us to really use that platform. And we really did well there. Was it spoken about in the uh, in in the week? Berth, did you did you sense a shift from from the coaches sort of focusing on on you guys as, as Harlequins? Was it spoken about as a as a leadership group which you're obviously involved with? Yeah, and I think even going into the semi finals where we probably started to begin to just focus on us because I think if you draw so much attention and like I said to you earlier, Johnny, like we. We made sure things were the same this week so that you don't get lost in the occasion, you don't get lost in the opposition, that we kept it very much about us and we wanted to go and play how we want to play, how we know we can play. And we did that in WASP. We didn't have the complete performance in WASP, but we had a lot of it. And then for us to then go away from the WASP game, quick debrief, again, we weren't then looking back on what had been done. It's right now what we're going to do this week. Um, and then, yeah, that it was all about us. And I think the belief that Karen and Gerard just kept giving us to be like, go and play what we know you can do. You know, don't go in your shells, have the opportunities, take the opportunities. And, and that's the belief. And I think another big thing is like throughout the season, we obviously had some narrow losses. We had some really tight wins. And I remember, like, again, the messaging from the coaches is like, it's not about now. Like, these are good lessons for us. But as long as we win the last one, that's where it really counts. And I think just kind of having that growth throughout the season, and Jock's talked about some of the players coming through, but having that growth spell put us in such good stead going into the semi final and the final. And it, and it does come just about you you as a, as a group yeah. and not about, you know, and like the press release, you know, you're trying to push some of the players on, on talking about the opposition. And, and, you know, the response was, it's just about us. It's about the team and it's about what we're going to go and do. And if we go and do what we can do, it'll be enough. We know it will be. I'll count. I'd like to talk to you loads, loads more, but Beth always has a go at me when I start talking in-depth rugby and Norse type stuff. Um, <laughs> I don't uh, want to talk about scrums. I'll just put my leg up, literally. Um, which leads me nicely on. I'd love to have had a heart rate monitor on you on Sunday. Um, I, I wasn't too far away, and yeah, <laughs> possibly heard a little bit as well. Um, yeah, some some really tense moments in there. What um, heart in the mouth when uh, the young lady on on screen went down or, or hobbled off? Yeah, yeah, because I, you know it's it's sport sport can create the most magical of memories, can't it? And it clearly has done. But it also it gives with one hand, and it so brutally can take with the other, and. Um, I know how hard Rachel works. I mean, uh, like, <laughs> you know, it, it always amazes me. Some of our younger players are called, how is she so good at passing? Or how is she good, so good at tackling? Because she spends ages on it. She does it weekly, religiously. And that's why she's some of the best at it. Um, and so when you, you know, I know how much effort she puts into it. And I know how much it, it means to her. And I know when we've trained this year, when, you know, a lot of our peers that she's played in our national rugby have gone off into camps or... You know, and she's been watching that. And then, you know, you've got a really young squadron about it. And she's just completely 
absolutely led by example and being a complete ambassador on and off the field. And it's a quiet stuff. It's the same way in coaching. It's a, it's a quiet conversation you have with people in the way home from training or you get them on the field. And, you know, and, and, and sometimes that's really challenging because, and it's not a nasty challenge. It's a, a frustration. It's a challenge born from frustration. They want to play. They want to play now. And they want everything to happen now. And sometimes you've got to just, you just got to have those quiet conversations to say it's, you know, your day will come and your time will come. But in the meantime, grasp this incredible bunch of players that you're training with weekly, more so than just on game day, just sap it up and, and really learn. And and shame, I mean, Rachel invests a huge amount of time in that. And and to see her, I know, you know, it's like she just got off and then she's the first player to like get back on their minus crutches and things like that. So, <laughs> you know, things like that absolutely hurt. But, it, you know, I said it before we played the final. For us to get the final, it didn't take just the 20, you know, the, the, the 15 that were left on the field at the final so or the 23 that actually went, you know, inevitably up to King's Home. I mean, it was, you know, we played a huge amount of players this year in that squad. And and it would be really remiss not to be able to say it took a whole squad to get us across that finish line, um, including people that were really, uh, named in that 23 and on, in that starting 15. So Rachel knows absolutely about how much she's contributed um, in many, many different ways other than just the 70 precious minutes on Sunday. Um, Karen, it leads me nicely on then. When, when you got into that change room on, on Sunday and we're doing la, 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 and, and all that's going yeah. on. Um, and yeah. the flying around people's heads and what have you. <laughs> all very well. <laughs> hey, there you are, you see. One thing, watching your team for 70 minutes win a final and I, and I say one thing it's huge uh, we know that but I know for you actually looking around that change room after the game and, and seeing how much those players have grown as people is more important to, to you just how proud were you when you looked around that change room on Sunday no I mean you know it it, it, it was really surreal it was it was really surreal because a, the, the win felt like it, you know we had to wait um, and, and we, you know, it felt even longer. That 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 ten ten minute period felt even like, God, I thought we're never gonna, we're never gonna get to the end of this. So I think coming back, and I was like, there was a couple of people were like, you're really quiet, and it, and it wasn't. I was quiet. I was I was desperately just trying to sit and a process that would would manage to win, and secondly, just everything that everything that's, that you know that that it culminated in that in the past five years and also just some of the people because some of the people in the room I mean you know Rachel knows that I said you know there was there was seven players in the room that you know were there on day one day one when we first started this journey and even though you think oh it's, it wasn't you know, ever going to be that gamble joining Harlequins but you, you never know because you know the club's got massive aspiration it's, it naturally and deservedly has got expectation that we will perform and we will deliver and I think as a women's side we've always done that it just narrowly fell short on two occasions so I think just sitting around the changing room and and looking at some of those people, like, you know, people that, that I, I remember, I remember, like, you know, another coach that, you know, I used to, like, argue the toss with about Vic Cornborough saying, you know, she will be world class. You've just got to pick her. She's that good. She's going to be that good. Or, you know, watching Leanne, you know, progress across the last seven, eight seasons. Um, and people like Fee Fletcher, who I just absolutely have nothing but admiration for because people like Fee absolutely do their detail. They train hold doing a full job, full time job, as well as trying to be the best they can in what is an intensely 
um, you know, really good level of premiership, um, no matter which way you look at it. Um, and she she's there every week. She plays every game. Like I, I could I could probably count on one hand the amount of minutes Thea's missed in about four or five seasons. She's that she's that biggest stalwart and a legend and contribution. So when you look at her in that change room and you know you see like to who came from like BM you know set up in up north came to a big London club has absolutely grown I think as an individual um, and and definitely you know at the end of she's gone she's gone, she's gone away with her husband she's a trophy. So Abby's certainly done all right. Um and just seeing how, how what's changed in their lives as well as as well as just how they've developed as rugby players. Because that for me is a big thing. And and, and that's a and there's a big shout out the the leadership group, you know, because we, we sat down with the leadership group this year and rugby's amazing for saying like we're gonna make so and so captain and we're gonna make so and so this leadership group and does not actually invest in them. And that's I think that's what's been really fascinating for me. And there's just a couple of things that I'll still get them we'll still get around to do it because I promised I would do it. Um and whereby my world in terms of my day job, it's been really good to discuss with them the, the whole concept of leadership and making decisions and when decisions count and the whole process of how you make that decision and more importantly how you how you lead and how you lead better. So I think that's been that's been something I've really enjoyed this this year with that group in particular because they've wanted to learn. They wanted to challenge themselves to be better at leading. Well Typically, Berth, I've asked Karen about her feelings and she's literally spoken about virtually the entirety of the squad except herself. So um, it's, it's so, so very, very you. Berth, your chance to just give everyone out there just a snapshot um, in a minute or so of, of just, just what this lady's contributed to, to Harlequin's Rugby Club um, and, and the women's team. I'm not sure I can do it in a minute, Johnny. Um <laughs> Yeah, look, I think Jock's record kind of on pitch speaks for itself. The the pillar that she has been, she's been the entire foundation of Harlequins, getting up and running, having the vision, pushing the board, you know, all of that stuff that people just don't think or hear about. And they just think, you know, she's on the pitch and dealing with scrum and line out and malls and breakdown. It's so much more than that. And I know Jock spoke about kind of the small conversations and, and that's something that Jock will give up. The one minute of time that she has to herself, she'll give it away. And, and I mean, for those of you who don't know, she pretty much runs London. So she doesn't really ever have that much time for herself or even for family life because she's so dedicated and has this like unbelievable commitment to people and to the club and will give everything. And I think that's something that you just can't, you can't instill in someone unless they genuinely, genuinely care and they want to be there and they want to be a part of it. And I think, you know, the way that she's led, I've gripped onto the way that she has been and used that as my own leadership and, and learned so much from the work that she's done with us as a leadership group. But the time and effort and sacrifice, you know, it's worth so much. And we, I know personally as an individual how much she will be sorely missed, but across the entire team, just, the legend that she genuinely is and the amount you've contributed to get this club where it is. And, you know, we always talk about, oh, well, they're going to raise the bar. You know, everyone's going to try and follow Sa- and follow Harlequins because Saris has done this or what's doing that. Well, well, Quins are the first of this. Like, the lady in front of us is why we're the first. She's the one who's pushing the buttons and saying, what about this? What about that? Well, we've got to keep raising the bar. We can't allow that. What, what about this? And it's all from 
a position where she's been there as a player international. She's been there as a coach internationally, domestically. She's been there. She understands it so deeply um, that, you know, you can't put it into words really. And I, I've spoke for more than a minute, but aside from rugby, like the impact she has on people and in their life is, is huge. I mean, the likes of like, you talk about someone like Flea Fletcher, she plays for Karen. You know, because of the impact and the depth that she has on her as an individual. And we've always said, we've said this from when we were in that circle in the changing room is Karen will forever be a Quinn and will forever wear quarters and always be welcome to, to be a part of that Quinn's family forevermore because, yeah, she means a hell of a lot to all of us. Wow. There we are. Uh, yes, slightly over a minute. Um <laughs> The other, the, the other, if I did it when I was on my crutches, probably done it in 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but the, the other thing is, is um, um, you know, when Karen comes asking, not, not many people are going to argue. I think that's also something I've learned being, being around Karen. Um, there's that. Uh, there's that oh, let, let's let's, let's analyse that. She's a copper. She's not going to turn up without evidence, facts, detail. <laughs> and you just can't argue with that. So <laughs> any comeback you got is that. Oh, I've got an answer for that. End of that. <laughs> Yeah, and there's that smile just always hidden behind it as well. Karen, just uh, I, I don't want to take you from your family because actually now's the time when you can, you know, you're back at home now from a, a, another busy day. Uh, we won't take too much of your time. I just wanted to give you a chance to give us some of your favourite memories. Obviously, Sunday is up there, and we, we, we'll probably cover that one off. Just, just oh, your favourite yeah. moments at, at Harlequins. Oh, I mean, uh, certainly, certainly. Um, Year one, um, I'm working, you know, just working through things with Guy. You know, we go back a long way, spoke at his wedding. You know, people just didn't realise and they probably thought it was, you know, yin and yang mix. But, you know, um, just that, that first year was just incredible, I think, against all odds. And, you know, you, you just genuinely didn't know where the journey was going to take us. So that was incredibly special. What um, The big game at Twickenham, uh, in, incredible playing there and playing Leinster. Being, you know, that was just a complete answer first. Putting that on with the women which, again, makes everybody else stop and say, well, if Harlequins are doing it, it's not just about us. It's about leading the way, but dragging everybody else with us and, and, and pushing through that door. So that was really, really special. But even the first the first home game at the Stoop was absolutely incredible. The work at the likes of, you know, Tony Diprose, Michelle and Atlanta, all in particular Atlanta, doing the whole commercialisation and leading from the front and seeing equitable marketing images on the posters or billboards on the pit on the bus stop and seeing our you know seeing our players faces up there female rugby athletes in harlequins quarters you know that that you know people people that have been in women's rugby for a long long time you know that 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 absolutely makes you stop you know because those people have just they they've been in it for the long haul and it's and it's because they've cared about it so when you see things like that for maybe some clubs that are you know, so used to commercialisation on a bigger, far more historic scale. You know, that was just amazing. We we still speak about that. And, and also just seeing seeing little girls waving Harlequin Quinn's flags when we did the first Pride match at the Stoop. That was equally um, incredibly special. And and just seeing how much sportswomen from other disciplines, like women's football, women's rowing, women's hockey, where they everybody got behind some of that. Um, and just that huge, big generation of you know, why we should be celebrating women's sport because, you know, we want to get to a point where we're not speaking about women's sport, that we're just speaking about rugby and people are watching as much as they're supporting women's football who certainly are leading the way in terms of that. But, 
you know, the, the beauty of final of, a, of the quality that you saw on Sunday is that you just want to watch rugby. You want to, you know, to be speaking of each other. So I think some of that memories are just, oh, I mean, forever more. But it's, but it's also stupid little, it's also daft little things. It's like, you know, Shauna's interview just, just showed how much we hear both him, but, you know, the fact that we did somebody that was pretty decent at throwing a discus at the Commonwealth Games <laughs> and we turned her into an international prop of like genuine to see her come to fruition in the final um, and, and go on to play for her company and things, things like that alongside Vic Cornborough who equally are special you know in terms of an athlete and things and just watch the whole of that pack come together in jail and provide the platform to like the back line that we have which I now think is you know it's just electric and play off of that the, 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 it, you just kind of box some of that specialness Johnny there's just there's so many things but and it's just like I say, the lifting the trophy, of course, it's a memorable occasion, an incredible occasion and very special. But it's just like the build of the tears of that cake. It's just like the bit that goes on the top. There's so yeah. many things. Um, and just 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 watching people this year, like, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, tragically we lose, Laura, we, we lose Rachel in the final. But Izzy Mayhew came on and was, you know, you, you suddenly say, wow, two years of building in, in Izzy to, to be really that confident and that good having had the ability to train with fantastic players around about her this year. Same with Katie Mew, Lauren, you know, Lauren Brooks. People have come through the development squad. And and I just think once we get back to normal and our centre excellence is working, the likes of pipeline, Rachel can send in their direction. I mean, it's it's a sustainable su- success that's there. And that's got to be the vision. What's next, Karen? I mean, you'll obviously carry on running yeah. London single-handedly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I was. T- I mean, today I was just saying I was barking and dagging him, and you know, not uh, kicking a football about, which felt really odd. I've got to say, um, but just seeing kids and making a difference of that, and there's there's things I want to do in my job that that I'd really like to influence sport and and get a lot more women into the service and improve the representation. So really aligning some of the stuff I do with rugby and my job and, and getting them working hands in hand together because it's it's a phenomenal career that Metropolitan Police Service offers to people and improving our representation and, you know, our, our genuine connection with communities out in London is really important to me. So I think they go hand in hand. Um, but I think in terms of, you know, rugby, I think sometimes you just need to recharge your batteries a wee bit and you need to take a little bit of quiet moment to think of what you've achieved and things because it's it's been big rugby clubs. Richmond was a fantastic fantastic setup and I love coaching Richmond you know I've, I've had the fortune um, enjoying the same success at Harlequins and I just want to see where the next thing is that I can I like building things and I like adding value and and I like um, you know really seeing things come to fruition so you know I, I'm just ready for a hard job right now I just want to I want to just like really enjoy and maybe add value where I can and if that's just teaching a young bunch of kids to scrimmage properly fantastic um, and and just watch, see how the girls get on, see see what the next is because they're going to be really new. Gonna, it's going to be back. I want to get you on the girls' rugby club camps. <laughs> yeah, yes, but like just different things that I can do it without necessarily, you know, having to plan it into an entire week. Be changing changing a uniform or a suit into tracksuit, <laughs> you know, between between London Waterloo and Guildford stuff like that. Um, but I think ultimately, I would, you know, I think my real heart is in genuinely. Um, really driving diversity and inclusion and and that's really important to me not not because it's just i think some people use them as just words it's like a buzzword but for me it's about deeds and i think there's still a lot of progress can be made in that to make sure that our 
you know, rugby's in a really good place and female athletes in particular are really well supported and that there's a genuine pathway for women's coaching to go through that is open and transparent and, and there's a real access to equality opportunity. Stuff like that is really, really important to me. Oh, well, you... You leave a, a huge, huge hole. I don't think um, I, I need to, to, to tell you that. Um, I hope that the game doesn't lose you completely. Um, just too much uh, calibre there as a, as a coach and as a human being for, for us to let you go fully. Um, but yeah, from, from, from my, myself and, you know, the game itself, I'm sure Rachel will just say a quick goodbye as well. But yeah, thank you for absolutely everything you've done. You've, um, been a major architect of, of, of the shining, arguably the, the best club side in, in, in women's rugby in the world. And uh, you've been a huge part of that over the last five years and, and, and past that. So um, thank you very, very much for, for your service. And it was so, so delightful to see you lift the trophy on Sunday. It was a, a real pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you, Johnny. Cheers, Jockey. See you later, Richie. <laughs> no more dilly dally. No more dilly dallying. Don't even dilly dallying. No more dilly dallying. Karen, thank you so much. Go, go to TNT. Oh, fabulous. You said you were going to make her cry. Oh, I'm uh, not sure I was going to make her cry. I said she probably will cry. Yeah, you're right. And, that, and that's frivolous and silly when um, a lady that's given that much impact to. The, the women's club game in this country. And, I, you know, that, I, that, I don't think there's any argument in that statement. No, absolutely not. Like, genuinely across so many different teams, countries, you know, individuals that she's coached and recruited and developed under 20s. You know, we talked about the development squad and she really has made a, a huge impact. And, yeah, look, I, I suspect she'll be involved in those teams that are knocking to be a part of the Allianz Premier 15 I mean, who wouldn't want to go after with all of her experience um, and knowledge within the game and expertise? Uh, I, I don't think it's going to be long before we see Jot back involved at the, the top flight game. Oh, nice. OK. And just, just on, a, on a, I mean, you spoke about it a little bit, but just, just give her, us her, her three best attributes. Oh, um, detailed. And if she don't know, she'll go away and she'll sort it. Um, compassion. And, I mean, there's so many, Johnny. I want, I want to say humour because she has this brilliant humour about her that just can light up the, the room uh, or the circle or the cold, minging, muddy nights. Um, she has a way with words. Yeah, it's just personability and... As you said earlier, just that that smile and that little crack of a joke or that little Scottishism is 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 always, it's never far away, and it and it's it's it, it just it warms the cockles, doesn't it? She's one of those people you just oh, I want to hug and you know sit by the fire and, and chat rugby with. Um, well, I do anyway. Um, but no, <laughs> it was fabulous to have her on and uh, great to see you two interact um, after what was a, a momentous occasion, a historic occasion on on Sunday. and you are listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Must, of course, keep you up to date with all the news that's going on uh, around the world of women's rugby. 
she's coming thick and fast, Berth, isn't it? This, this time, at, uh, I'd say a year ago, in global pandemic. But when we started the pod, there was never this kind of news and chatter around. We've got news internationally coming up later on uh, on the pod. But at the moment, let's get you up to date with what's going on in and around the UK and Europe. Got some results from France. You want to cover those off, Berth? You with your... Oh, I don't want to step on your toes because your French is so good. I don't want to step on your knee. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, Elite France 1, Blagnac 13, Montpellier 8, Lance beat Stade René 21-12, ASM Rugmina beat Bordeaux 34-11. It was a draw between Toulouse and AS Bayonet 12-all. Some really big results. And uh, Toulouse and Montpellier, um, yeah, those those draws and uh, that, that loss from Montpellier is a, is a surprising one. The semi-finals are on the 12th of June, which see ASA Rogmanat take on Montpellier and Blagnac host Toulouse. Big, big local derby, that one, and a really big finish to the Elite One season coming up. And some Irish news, Connect Rugby have launched a women's under-20 rugby initiative to bridge that gap between youth and senior rugby. It's going to consist of five weeks of games at under-21 level. We're not quite sure when that is, but we will bring the news to you when we know. Absolutely. HPC Invitational 7 tournament this weekend. Um, yeah, GB and, and Ireland trying to get some, some practice in. So those two are taking on each other in Dublin in a series of games taking place as i say at the weekend and also the women's championship formerly known as the grand prix is taking place in lisbon this weekend with nine teams taking part scotland portugal spain romania russia poland wales germany and belgium yeah it all concludes sort of late sunday afternoon if i had to checking that out that's on uh European Rugby uh, on their social channels. You can pick that one up. Closer to home, Bath have jumped on the bandwagon, haven't they? Um, alongside those other premiership clubs. You know, we, we've heard from Newcastle some time ago now. London Irish of late as well. I'm missing someone else. Am I? No, no London Bath. Irish. Yeah. Newcastle, that's it. Um, well, they started the process of, of, of creating a women's team. Uh, Bath have so yeah really really good for for the region down there for for women's rugby and yes all of those vying for a place would be season after next wouldn't it uh, when the, uh, the tender goes back out again and BBC have announced they're going to show the women's Six Nation as the broadcaster rights have been sold for the first time as a single package hopefully it should be a big for attraction for sponsors opportunities I mean that is brilliant news isn't it Johnny I, it's huge. We spoke to Sue Day about it, didn't we, when we had Daisy on the pod? And it, it, it's those kind of things. If you want to do the men's, you've got to do the women's and okay, the under twenties in this, this instance as well. But um, yeah, hundred percent. That's a, that's the the way forward. It's not to say that it should be broadcast or, or the tournament should be the same. But do you know what? That's um, yeah, it, it's a huge step forward, and we've seen of late, haven't we, with the Autumn Internationals and uh, the Women's Six Nations? There is the appetite there. We, I mean, we, we've known it for a time, haven't we? But uh, yeah, uh, it, it is there. So that's that's fabulous, fabulous news. Now on the women's rugby part, we don't have a huge amount of men. Um, some coaches, obviously, we've had Bill. Sir Bill to you, so they, 
you forget those uh, those bits, Perth. Um, but uh, Bron, I just got uh, a man who needs no introduction whatsoever. The uh, former Ireland captain, Lions captain as well. Six Nations winner, Grand Sam winner. Just wanted to get his view on the women's game. He uh, he was quite visual during the women's Six Nations and got a young daughter as well. Um, so I got in touch with Brian, who I haven't seen for for, for quite a few years. Um, one of the last times was in Ferg Burger in Queenstown. I'll just drop that one for you to pick up, Berth. Um, <laughs> I won't tell you what he ordered. Um, but no, really, really good to, to catch up with Bod and get his views about the women's game. Brian, a very, very warm welcome to the WRP. Thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, and a nice day on the golf course we've had yeah, today. Yeah, Bill, I, it, this, is not, this is not usual attire. Um, you can't really see it. But um, yeah, I literally played 18 holes at four o'clock and um, I raced across the other side of the city because this was the most important thing in my diary today. Honestly, there you are. Yeah, today. Absolutely. Um, great stuff. Did you manage to catch any of the um, Alliance Premier 15 at the, uh, at the weekend? I, I have it recorded. I haven't actually caught up on it. Obviously, I know the result. And, yeah, and the great. And, and, um, and it was a great performance. I know BT were, were showing it, uh, but I haven't managed to get there yet. But it is on, it is on my uh, plus, um, so I'll definitely get a, v- a look of it over the course of the week. Yeah, no, it was a hell of a hell of a way to, to finish up the season. Obviously, um, Berth lifting the trophy on a on a crutches and what have you. Um, but we look been been trying a couple of weeks to to, to get you on because I think it's fascinating. Um, obviously, I, I'm a man and I sit in the, in the women's game and have done for a, a long time and beating the drum. But it, it's always fascinating for me to see from a men's point of view uh, how how the women's game is 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 seen and perceived from from the outside because you know when you're in the middle of the woods, sometimes you can't see the the wood for the, for the trees, can you? Um, so I just wanted to start. What's your relationship with the with the women's game? Um, I good question. What's my relationship? I guess I've probably found myself in the last year being more of a promoter of it, um, realizing the necessity to do so. Um, it, I suppose, for me, it started really about promoting women's sport in general. We had a um, a program called 20 by 20 um, in in Ireland, where it was about 20% more visibility, 20% more attendance, 20% more participation in women's sport by 2020. So, you know, I think if if you look at media coverage in general over the course of the last, well, certainly since I've been a professional in my time, we were kind of blinded to the reality that women had to do something really exceptional to get into, you know, the, into the newspaper or for it to be reported on the news. Whereas, you know, you could have lower league football being um, written up um, in, in the men's game, which just doesn't seem right. So I, I guess I have a daughter and the reality that, you know, that there aren't equal rights given to men and, and, uh, and women or girls and boys uh, has dawned on me. And, and so if I can lend a voice towards promoting women's sport, I think, you know, it's um, the onus is on men. It's not just on women. The onus is on men and, and the men of, of that have daughters, but men that have sons as well, that also have to teach that equality is the, is the way of the future. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I say to my boy, who, who are your favorite players? And, and they would certainly, Emily Scout and, and Sarah Hunter, um, 
don't tell Berth she's not on the list, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, they, they would you know they they would list those kind of people, and I I, I couldn't I couldn't could agree with you with you more. So when how much were we in rugby? Do you watch? You watch a bit of the Six Nations, Autumn International, yeah. World Cups, that kind of stuff. Well, what, what, what excites you about watching the, the, the well, women's I've game? I started watching more. I think, yep. and, and maybe I've been part of the problem. Maybe I've been guilty of not paying as much attention and, and not promoting it as much as I should have. Um, I think sometimes when you're playing, you, you get you're so self-absorbed and you're so into your own sport that there's no time to be giving or trying to promote elsewhere. It's quite a unique thing what you know the likes of Justin Rose and Andy Murray have done and been big promoters of you know the women's game in their respective sports it doesn't you don't really see it an awful lot in in rugby or certainly haven't done and and maybe it takes for people to take a step away from the game and and have an appreciation for what it's given them but also the reality that it needs to be equal opportunities and it's, it's it's obviously going to be a long way before we get to equal opportunities in, in women's rugby versus men's because of the game being professional, because of funding and so on. But you have to be aspirational to get there one at one point. And it's it's about building blocks. And right now, you know, the pandemic couldn't come have come at a worse time from a funding point of view in Ireland. Um but yes, um I think there's an awful lot of hype and a lot of an awful lot of conversation around the women's game and that's how you get the snowball of positivity working and you know get it get it in front in in people's sitting rooms get them uh, an opportunity to see where the standard is and maybe it's not where you hope it will be in a year or two years time but you've got to start somewhere so i think we've begun to make good positive changes here in Ireland, but an awful lot still to do. So when you were playing with Leinster or, or you know, Ireland, was there any crossover at all? Because I mean, now with you know, like the Harlequins, you look at Burf and whatever, they're down at Surrey Sports Park. And there's the, uh, there is quite a lot of crossover and, and other premiership clubs would, would be the same using the shared sort of facilities. Is that ever, ever the case in your day? Or is it, is it now? Never. Never. I don't even think now, really. You know, occasionally the high performance center where all, you know, all age grades uh, are are training at the moment, the senior team, the 20s, underage, um, the women's. So I don't know whether there's a bit of, you know, cross-pollination there um, with regard to um, being there at the same time. But, But with regard to you know, working with one another, I certainly I haven't heard anything in that regard, and it wouldn't have been the case with um, with us when we were you know, playing with when I was playing with Leinster, playing with Ireland, um, whatever seven or eight years ago since I, since I've retired. So it does feel as though things have moved on dr- drastically, but I don't know if we're there yet either. And um, the th- the issue in Ireland is that the lack of games. You know, a, a number of the the internationals that have played, uh, that are playing for Ireland here, have moved over to the UK to play in in you know, Premier 15s to get more quality game time, to get a better standard, and to challenge themselves because the club game has been, I wouldn't say it's been forgotten here, but it probably hasn't been given the time and effort and, and focus that it has necess- that is that has been needed to promote the game from grassroots level and that's the, that's the lifeblood of of all sports and all the more that um it feels as though we missed a trick a few years ago and we won the grand slams going back eight nine years ago beat new zealand in in a world cup the women the worst first ones yeah. to do it um but yeah we didn't 
react to that and we didn't promote it as as we should have considering the publicity it got around that time so it feels like we're back to um you know small building blocks but eventually getting there again and is, is that the answer in Ireland and therefore you could sort of map that across to, to other countries as well is to get that solid platform at, at, at club level I think that's a great starting point I think the sevens is a really interesting one as well there's there's been some um some you know finance put into the sevens program and it, it's you know been very effective we've seen good crossover between sevens and 15s in both the men's and women's now in recent years um, so it, it's just a matter of whether they can coexist. And again, it's so much of it comes down to, to funding and resources. And, um, and unfortunately, at the moment, the first thing to go is either sevens or women's when there's, when there's, you know, there's struggles with, with finances. But I think there's a big responsibility on corporates as well about, um, not just promoting rugby, but promoting women's sport and, um, and sponsoring as many women's events as they, as they do uh, sponsor men's. And until then, you won't get cohesion, you won't get equality. And um, and how can we expect to ever get to the point with the, you know, in, I don't know how many years of, of, of an equal playing field? The reality is we need ev- all factions of society to work together um, to, to kind of help um, promote from within. Because it's such, a, such an embryonic state at the moment, the women's game, and it, it, it should has that ability to start really, really well and with really solid foundations and not get fragmented, which I think sort of the, the men's game sort of suffers from a, a, a little bit. But you're absolutely right, that bravery to actually get involved and say, well, it's just the right thing to do. 90-odd companies that I've been contacting to to get involved with, yeah, with, with this podcast. It's bonkers, the, head, and, the wall you get your head smashed against. Yeah, and the reality is at the moment, and, and I think, you know, the, the yeah, I don't think the women want to be promosed or or patronize in you know oh there was a good effort they want to be critiqued and they want to be told um when they've done well but they also want to be told you know constructive criticism because um with bigger promotion comes you know some things that aren't as easy to to, you know aren't as palatable but you have to be able to learn to deal with them as well if you want it to be part of the growth of the of the sport so um, you know, my experience of, of, of understanding them, they, they, they want, yes, of course, they want to be um, patted on the back for great performances, but they do want to be um, pulled up on where they need, their improvement needs to come from. And, and we saw in, in the Six Nations stark differences between the performance against Wales and then, you know, the reality check against, um, yeah. against France and France. then maybe a bit of a mixed bag against Italy. Lots of, you know, handling errors, but ultimately a, a victory. And I guess the, the the difference maybe between the men's and women's games is the differential in squads between the best players and and the, the less effective players is vast. Yes, and that only comes from increased par- participation, and that only comes from media coverage, and that only comes from everyone trying to do their bit. Uh, administrators coming on board, um, as I say, sponsors coming on board, um, TV companies coming on board to you know. Um, to showcase the, the games more. All of these things will all add up to a, a, a better end product. Absolutely. I mean, you, 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 through through our conversation, just just one final one from me, um, and you kind of touched on a, on a few areas, but I just wanted to get a sort of a rounded point. As you say, I, I don't think that the women particularly want a, oh, well done, girls. You know, that was a really good performance, as, as you say. But 
But if Harlequins are playing at the weekend, I mean, I, I saw my Twitter feed and I, you know, I don't look at it very often, but you know, the girls say, oh, go well, Quins, you know, you, and you're bid to get a, a playoff place and what have you. There isn't a huge amount of that back that, that I particularly see. And you kind of alluded to it earlier. What, what can current players, former players, you know, obviously in that bracket yourself, do you know, constructively in the right way to, to support the women's game? Because we're all about deeds on this podcast, Bod, rather than uh, than words. You see, yeah, I I, I think it's about. Um, I think I think every time you think about promoting something from a, from a men's point of view, um, you know, try and consider, even though if it isn't an initial or an immediate reaction, try and consider promoting something, or when you're f- flicking through something, rather than you know, just passing over some sport, make a comment or um, add value to a conversation. Those small little things you, you might seem insignificant, but they actually have a difference. And if you can get conversation going around, you know, a great try. I remember one of the French centers, um, you know, through this, you know, audacious offload. And I, and I got, I, I saw it on Twitter and then clipped it up and then, you know, if Sonny Bill does that, he gets, you know, yeah, huge yeah, kudos. Yeah. So for me, that's about trying to promote the best of what you see. And, um, okay, you know, you, you're not going to, in all games, you're not going to have, you know, a multitude of magic moments. But when you do have those high-quality moments, I think it's important for us to, for, to promote them and to showcase them and show what the calibre of players are capable of. And I think from a... A player point of view, I don't want to put pressure on the current crop because that's not my place to do it. But as an ex-player or as someone that is passionate uh, about seeing women's sport elevated and, 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 you know, hugely because of my daughter as well, I think if I can start conversations with people, well, I need others to join me, but hopefully that will all add towards a, a crea- um, creating a, a greater excitement around and. You, you can't force it. You know, you, you, people will do what they want to do, but it, it would be great if people were in a position to be able to you know, just push the boat out a little bit and, and, and you know, get on board of something that maybe they initially don't have massive interest in, but until you actually invest and get involved, you, you don't know what you might get out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Did you see that thing down in South America, the, the football teams, and they, the women's side of the club had half the badge and the men's... So the club had the, the other half of the badge and they sold it in the shop and all the punters were going, well, where's the rest of the badge? Well, the women have got the other half badge because we're the same. And participation has gone through the roof and they've now got broadcast deals. I mean, that's an extreme way of doing it. Um, yeah, I'm not sure the Prem, prem clubs and whatever are going to go that far. But, um, but those sort on. of things are great. I, I think as well, you know, about promoting our superstars. You know, we've got a couple of great young um young players coming through. We've got a 19 or 20 year old Bevan Parsons, who's a really, really exciting athlete, you know? Um, so Bevan Parsons for me is, is like, you know, Jess Breach, um, except raw, you know, she's probably raw or she's less refined at the moment, but you've got to try and promote, you know, the most exciting players because in every sport in people will come and you'll get bums on seats just to watch a spectacular athlete perform. And I think when you see that excitement, well, you've got to help build a team around that individual and facilitate them to, to produce their best. And that's where you'll get, um, you know, the, you know, her 
seen as hero and as a, as a role model to you know young girls coming through and that's how you enhance numbers that's how you get better that's how you get increased participation so it's all these small little things adding up yeah all the little visibility bits and um that seamlessly like a ski sock leads me to yeah. You know, just say I hopefully your our chat and, and you being involved in in the pod tonight just raised that visibility a tiny bit not a you know, for the for the women's game but the the pod as well. So thank you very very much. A huge yeah thanks from from Berth and I for for coming on to tonight and racing back from from your double bogey on the on the last couple. <laughs> I, I was obviously thinking what I was going to be saying. I wasn't thinking about. Well, trying, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that tough that tough Paxman like question about your relationship <laughs> with women's rugby to start. Mate, I look forward to uh, seeing your your daughter on the field and uh, a slashing sidestep and uh, and an outside break like uh, like her old man. And uh, it's really good to catch up. It's great to see you. Cheers. Great to chat. Cheers, Johnny. I'm Jess Breach, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Great to have uh, Bod on the on the pod and and its allies and friends like that that uh, sadly the women's game game needs. But um, someone with his kind of profile, uh, uh, just some just some useful tips there. Just you're sitting there scrolling through social media it doesn't take real long. Just just share, like, comment on on women's rugby. It's um, it was a responsibility that um, you know they got all former and, and, and current men's players have. Yeah, and no, I think it's it's. It's really important that we do have more of that happening and not just to kind of like talk about, oh, this is what's happening or wasn't that a great try by Jess Beach. But what it does, if, if Brian O'Driscoll thinks that girls rugby is good or women's rugby is good, then the young lad next to him go, oh, all right, then, well, if he thinks it's good, then I will. And you, you, what you're doing is you're changing the perception for the future so these young boys that like you know who are on social media and young girls they look through and they're like oh well if they think it's cool and they like it then it is good and then you know we we look in however many years time where we're trying to get to with normalizing women and girls in rugby that's why we need that not just to talk about but actually to help normalize it and then to help grow it so yeah and no, i mean you know I would follow Brian O'Driscoll's advice any day. So hopefully, you know, some of the male players will pick up on that and and uh, run with it. Yeah, absolutely. Because the yeah, younger generation, less and less are they sitting down to watch a full game. Yeah, they'll watch you know, the England game. and they, you know, they love the rugby and play lots of it, but it's being consumed through through those kind of channels. So, yeah, here's a rallying cry. You, you play for Gloucester Harbury, whatever, start retweeting some stuff you know, that Mohan does. You know, if you play for, for Bristol, and uh, Bristol, to be fair, pretty good at it, but start tweeting some stuff that, that, that Amber Reid does, Saracens, all the rest of it. Um, yeah, get get the chatter going. As you say, Berth, let's normalise it. Um, now, to bring up to date with news further afield than uh, the UK and Europe, news from around the overworld world, and some, uh, some Sevens World Cup details, Berth. Yeah, so the Sevens Rugby World Cup details have been confirmed. The 2022 Rugby World Cup Sevens will be the eighth edition of the Rugby World Cup Sevens organised by World Rugby. The 2022 tournament, which again compromises of 24 women, sorry, 24 men's teams and 16 women's teams, will be played over three days in one venue in September. It will take place in Cape Town, beautiful place, Cape Town. Cape Town Stadium, South Africa, between the 9th and the 11th of September 2022. And it's the first ever Rugby World Cup Sevens. In Africa. Yeah, how impressive. 
It's brilliant. And that that will be lively and colourful. And as you say, Cape Town, what iconic city. Um, Well, look, get the knee better and get yourself out of there, Bev. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Spectating only. (laughs) Very good on the sides. Banging your crutches together. Um, (laughs) I saw you. Um, Some welcome news out of Canada. Sally Dennis has become the first female chair of Rugby Canada Board of Directors. So there's not been some amazing news coming out of Canada of late. So that is some really, really positive stuff for the women's game over the other side of the pond. Yeah, that's great to hear. And over in Australia, um, Queensland Rugby League. I know we don't, this is Rugby Union mainly pod, but um, really significant news that they have incre- increased the investment into the elite women's game, moving closer to equal remuneration for the women. Yeah, that that's and that's worrying because then they're going to steal our union players, potentially. Yeah, good point. Hadn't thought about that. Had not thought about that. Yeah. Right. You need other sports to be putting pressure on it, don't you? Because then yeah, it makes you realise that you need to do more. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it happened, didn't it? Um, late 90s. You league players in the men's game coming over to uni and then flip-flopping back and what have you, brought a lot of professionals and what have you. So, uh, yes, but uh, look, it's generally very good news. Uh, still in Australia, six teams taking part in the Bill Corp Super W League with Alara Thomas, isn't it? Uh, Reds, Waratahs, Brumbies, Rebels, Western Force and the Presidents 15. All to be broadcast live on Stan Sports, two pools culminating in a finals day on July 3rd. Well, there's a lot going on in Queensland yeah. at the moment. Libby Nackerville, I think that's how you say her name, has been appointed Vice President of Queensland Rugby Union. She's the first woman to hold the role in the organisation in 139-year history. Yeah, you see, Canada, Queensland. Yeah, you, yeah like we've spoken to, to, to Bird and, and Jill Burns and stuff on, on, on the pod here. You're in the room, you know, the, the conversation can't be ignored. And it's, it sounds like a tiny step, but it's, it's massive. It, it really, really is. Uh, over in Iran, um, incredible numbers coming out of Iran. Uh, you remember we had uh, Nahid Barmajadi on the, uh, on the pod some time ago now, but they're, they're registering an increase of athletes playing the game up by 20% from 10,000 to 12,000. Of that 12,000, 7,000 of those are women. That's the future right there, ladies and gentlemen, black and white for you. Black Absolutely. And, white. and I mean, yeah. if, they, if they're like, let's just put that into some context as well. Iran is not an easy place for rugby to be played yet. The increase is there and the majority of them are women. But anyway, um, moving on to Zimbabwe, who took on Zambia yesterday. It wasn't a test match, um, but Zambia won 31-22. Indeed, they did. Staying in Africa, some results uh, from the uh, from the Women's League there. Um, DHL Western Province and Borders Ladies pulling clear at the top of that Premier Division. The scores from the 22nd of May, Border 48, Seasail Sharks unable to score. DHL Western Province put 72 points on the uh, Eastern Province Queens. They only managed to chalk up 19 points. The Boland Dames 23, 
the Blue Bulls women's 19 on the 29th of May. A couple of weeks to, to bring up today here with the uh, with the women's uh, rugby pod live last week. Um, so the 29th of May, the scores were DHL WP 10, CCL Shark 0, Border Ladies 35, Boland Dames 14, Blue Bulls 43, EP Queens 17. So at the top of the table clash between Borders Ladies and the DHL Western Province in Cape Town this weekend. Again, being streamed, um, it's all out there. It's got proper productions on it, proper commentators. Um, Head to at Women Box, B-O-K-S, for all the streaming details if you'd like to watch that over the weekend. And heading over to the Blackfern Sevens who beat Australia Sevens team in a 5-1 in the Trans-Tasman Sevens competition. I mean, that's a pretty convincing win uh, for the Blackfern sisters. I'm sure Australia will be wanting to get a few wins over them the next time round. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously uh, Tokyo and the Olympics is looming large now. So that's, um, yeah. How much of a psychological filler that is for the Blackfoots, we will we will see. Last bit of news to bring up to date with over the pond, the XV Foundation, Kristen Summer and Alicia Washington, funding the USA Women's 15s program, um, and empowering women in sport. You become a, you can become a monthly donor or a one time donor. So we urge you if you have got anything spare, um, knocking around. And this is funding a, an international team. After all that good news, we, we end with a story like that. But look, um, if, if you can spare anything, then visit at XV Foundation for more information. That is about it, Berth. <laughs> hey, emotional is all in there. <laughs> Captain Fantastic. Um well, look, let's hope you, you do another podcast when you're top of the tree, the uh, championship winning captain. But um, did you enjoy that? Reminiscing? And you said at the beginning of the pod, it was one of the first times you'd, you'd actually probably dissected it um, and look back at it. Yeah, no, yeah, really enjoyed going back over it, especially, you know, having that chat with Karen Finley and hearing Shauna and Leanne on the back of it. Um, yeah, no, it was really nice to go over it and hopefully, you know, everybody else has appreciated it as well. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully so. Um, look, we're going to come at you again one more time this season next week. But to remind you, if those who weren't lucky enough to come on our live pod... We now got stash. Everybody loves a bit of stash. <laughs> uh, yeah, full range there. Uh, plenty of bits and pieces. Got the old snooge, jackets, gilets, training vests, leggings, shorts, uh, men's and women's kits on there as well. So, yeah, if you fancy walking around proudly adorning some uh, WRP stash, then all you need to do is visit www.hallbro.com dot com forward slash wrp hallbro.com forward slash wrp and if you haven't already give us 84 stars give a little rating even if you just say 
Great show. Just two words. It makes a massive, massive difference to this, and it, it, it really does for all the algorithms and all the stuff that I've got no idea about, but apparently it makes a huge amount of difference. So um, please do that. And that's where, come on, penultimate time. At Pod Women's Rugby, um, both Twitter, Instagram, you know, go check us out, be a part of it, Facebook as well. And yeah, look, we want to bring you the best show. So let us know what you want, what you want to hear, what you've enjoyed. Um, and yeah, we can plan to, to keep bringing that to you. But yeah, please go and follow us. Please go and rate us, subscribe and give us some feedback. Huge, huge thank you to Brian O'Driscoll. Bod, God, whatever you want to <laughs> call him. No, it's really good to uh, to see my slightly thinner doppelganger uh, on the pod. Um, huge thank you to Karen Finley. Yeah, really great to speak to her. And um, yeah, we won't go over it again, but what, what a servant to, to the women's game she has been. We uh, wish her all the best for her future endeavours. Huge thanks as ever to Sean, to Emerson, to Harry, to Tom, to Rugby Night, and to Jenny, to you, Berth. What, to you, just, Johnny. Just shake. Well, you just crack on with the prosecco again. Now is it just prosecco all day, <laughs> every day? Is it the, champ, the champions? Oh, an energy shake. Yeah, what's in there though? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, it's quite sealed, so I can't even get away making out. It's not. Oh, great stuff, Willett. You you deserve everything that's coming your way at, at the moment. I thought you uh, led your side superbly well, whether it was uh, on the field in the last couple of weeks or, or from the bench. And, um, yeah, as I said earlier, absolutely delighted for you. And we will see you in a week's time. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>